largest industrial projects. Kinemat, what's the future? On this episode of Kinemat, what's the future? I'm speaking with Michelle Martins. Michelle is the executive director of Tamatic Status of Women and has been with the organization for over 11 years. Michelle, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So now tell me, what is Tamatic Status of Women? Uh, great question. So Tamatic Status of Women has definitely evolved over the years. Uh, so the quick and dirty version of what we are right now is uh, first and foremost, we prioritize the safety of women and children. Uh, I would say our agency is split into three major departments, one being housing, two well-being, uh, and three being our uh, anti-poverty programs. Uh, now to add to that, of course, many people in Kitimata are aware that we are in the midst of a capital project. Uh, that we'll see our housing services uh, expanded, basically doubled from what we currently operate, as well as the addition of BC's first 24-hour childcare facility. So in addition to those three departments, we will add a fourth being childcare. Excellent. So now, um, Time at Success Women has obviously been around for, for quite some time. Um, how was it started? Yeah, another fabulous question. Uh, what I really love about Tamatic Status of Women, although we've grown into one of the largest nonprofits in Kitimat uh, and, and uh, have become a uh, expert in the field of anti-violence and gender equity, uh, what I really love about Tamatic Status of Women is the grassroots story behind how it came to be. So we have been serving the community for over 45 years. Uh, it was incorporated as a nonprofit in 1976 and started from just a table uh, with women sitting around a table in the 70s. Uh, of course, in that time, we had um, Kitimat was booming. We had Alcan. Everything was going great. We had other industries coming into the town. Uh, what was perhaps uh, problematic at the time was that there certainly was a disparity uh, between um, the number of male residents and female. So certainly a higher percentage of males at that time to female. Uh, and at that time, there wasn't really any sort of uh, government-supported uh, resources or supports for families and women experiencing uh, violence and abuse. So uh, what sort of happened organically was a group of women coming together, not experts or professionals in that field, uh, but just uh, congregating and meeting to talk about all these sorts of different atrocities uh, that were happening in the community that they knew about, friends, family members, maybe themselves as well, uh, who were suffering all sorts of abuse and violence and just wanted to start to problem solve themselves because there wasn't uh, those resources in place to get help. Uh, and from that, it grew to the multifaceted, multi-million dollar organization that it is today. That's excellent. You know, it's, it's, it's so awesome to see something start grassroots like that and grow and expand to what it is today because you guys help so many people that are in need. Um, so now tell me a little bit more about your programs. Yeah, so to go into uh, some more detail, uh, maybe I'll break them up department by department. Uh, so I think um, what is something that we've, uh, our kind of shining star, what we've really become um, known for in the community is housing. We've operated a transition house for women and children for over 25 years. Uh, and in our 
uh, capital build, uh, that transition house will effectively double the number of beds. Um, so the transition house is meant for women and their children who are fleeing abuse and violence or experiencing homelessness. Although I always put the caveat that uh, at TSW, we come from the frame of mind that if you are homeless, you have experienced abuse at some point in your life that has led uh, you to find yourself in that circumstance. Uh, so there's the transition house. From there, we have second stage housing, uh, which in short is a uh, tailored um Housing with tailored supports uh, for women. Uh, what's unfortunate about our current structure and what is creating a bottleneck in our service is that our second stage housing, uh, it is only for single women um, at this time because of the size of the units, uh, which is exactly why we're expanding that service in our new build uh, to be able to accommodate families. Uh, so there's that. So often we see women come to the transition house and from the transition house go into second stage housing uh, where they're a little bit more independent, but maybe still need some certain supports to be uh, successfully housed long term. And what would be ideal is from there, uh, women go into either affordable housing or into the private market. Uh, with um, the current socioeconomic climate of Kitimat, the rentals, as many of us know, are astronomical. Uh, unaffordable for single women. Uh, so we see women staying both at the transition house and in second stage housing longer than you would typically see. Um, and uh, with respect to affordable housing, we don't operate that yet, but that is uh, going to be a part of our new build. Uh, so we'll be the first affordable housing units in Kitimat for families. Uh, and as part of that, uh, in our new build, uh, women will be the leaseholders um, with every unit. Um, so that is our uh, housing and shelter supports. This year we are running the extreme weather shelter uh, during the winter months. Um, so still yet to be determined if we do that long term, but uh, we're giving it a try this year and has been pretty successful already. Uh, we've had people access uh, from, from night one, Monday was our first night open. Um, and as a part of our housing department, we also run a homeless prevention program, which uh, in a nutshell is a rental assistance program that helps with uh, both financial assistance for rent as well as any related costs. So utility bills, phone bills, medication, food costs, that sort of thing. Again, to help people uh, either access secure housing or stay, uh, maintain their current housing. Uh, with respect to well-being, we offer counseling for women and children as well as outreach for women. And then with respect to our anti-poverty programs, uh, we have uh, most notably our food share program, which has expanded its services last uh, this past June. We entered into a partnership with the District of Kitimat to run a day shelter out of our food share space. Uh, so I should say FoodShare moved into a new space and from there expanded its program. Uh, so now it runs Monday to Friday, uh, 7 to 7, 12 hours. Uh, so has basically doubled its capacity this past year. People can get uh, support, warm meals. And from that space, we run uh, <clears throat> other programs related to alleviating the pressures of poverty for people uh, who are low income earners. Uh, that's our baby needs. That's our hygiene program. Uh, seasonally, we run the Angel Tree program where low-income families can get uh, one free gift for their child that their child has asked for. Uh, and then when we talk about um, 
anti-poverty, we also have Heather's Free Store. Um, so that has become a staple in the community. It is open to everybody. Uh, there's certainly a uh, positive environmental impact to um, reusing and um, having things go to uh, another home instead of the landfill. So certainly open to everybody in that respect, but we do prioritize people who can't afford to buy clothing or household goods for themselves. Uh, and I want to note that uh, we've recently started calling it, renamed it Heather's Free Store, uh, acknowledging Heather Cross, who was a longtime TSW employee, as well as a prominent Heisla member, uh, who actually uh, created the Free Store uh, out, of, out of nowhere. Uh, it used to operate out of the transition house, and a few years ago we moved it to a commercial space to um, increase that access. Uh, so really just wanted to honor uh, somebody who m did what they could to make their vision come to life uh, in order to help those that were in need. Um, so the free store, oh, and we also have a relatively new program. Our furniture exchange has kind of come off and on uh, our radar um, for different reasons, but has been consistently running, I would say, for at least the past five years. Uh, and that, again, open to everybody in the community with a focus on people who can't afford furniture. Um, so it is meant to be a place where uh, community members, industry, people can donate used furniture or new if they like. Uh, some of the furniture we get is practically brand new. Uh, and then we uh, match it up with people who are looking for those items. Excellent. That all sounds really good. I, I love the story behind the free store. Now, tell me a little bit more about the food share. So obviously, um, one thing you guys do operate off of is donations. How can, pe can people donate food to you guys or how does that work? Yes. So historically, we depended exclusively on donations. Uh, so uh, we typically, um, the major donator uh, was and still is Save on Foods. Uh, who would donate food that was still edible, uh, but just couldn't be sold. Uh, and so while they still do that, uh, something, a challenge that occurred for that program during COVID that has still persisted is, um, for different reasons, uh, is that Save on Foods, their ability to donate uh, the quantities that they used to pre-pandemic uh, isn't possible anymore for lots of valid reasons. Uh, disruption in production lines, uh, panic shopping at the start of the pandemic, uh, things like that. Uh, so the past couple years, uh, since we have um, been enduring the COVID-19 pandemic, we actually had to start buying food in order to supplement the lack of donations that we had come to depend on. Uh, I'll say, though, that the silver lining to that, uh, because there certainly is the downside that now that's an added cost to the program that didn't exist before, but the silver lining is that uh, we really feel like it has um, really acknowledged... Um, and reinstilled some integrity with our clients accessing, because uh, now it's not just uh, redistributing food that's about to go bad, it's giving out food that is fresh. Right. Um, so really um, honoring that people, even if they can't afford fresh food or nutritious food, deserve access to those kinds of things. Uh, and so that is... Um, kind of the bare bones of food share, but what we have done in partnership with the district uh, with respect to the day shelter is now we are offering two, me two hot meals a day, uh, lunch and dinner, uh, and we are, uh, it's actually a great uh, location where we are. It's run out of Douglas Place, which is also where the cold weather shelter operates from or the extreme weather shelter. Uh, so a great partnership in that 
Uh, you have um, our guests at the shelter are able to, in the morning, come down to food share, get a coffee, you know, muffin, breakfast, have lunch, uh, get out of the elements, especially during the season where it's cold, rainy, snowing, um, really dangerous for people to be outside uh, for long periods of time. Um, yeah, so that is, and, and along with that, meeting their basic needs of hunger and having food uh, in their stomachs and getting that nutrition that they need. Uh, also being able to have um, access to workers who are trained to be non-judgmental, empathetic, get that support, uh, and really valuing that people who are accessing that service have really, um, they've experienced a lifetime of trauma. They have really valid reasons for why they have um why they have found themselves um, at that place. Yes, and so with with services like that, people sometimes are a little bit afraid to access services like that. One, because they don't think they deserve it. Um, two, because they're, you know, there is a little bit of a stigma across that. What message do you give those people? <sighs> yeah, um, I, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I just really beg and plead people to uh, trust us. Uh, we really appreciate that for those who are unfamiliar with our organization or our staff, we have to earn their trust, especially uh, in the essence that we are combating that lifetime of trauma and abuse that they have endured. Um, their life circumstances have taught them not to trust, to be wary of people. Um, so I would just really encourage uh, those who need it to know that that is a judgment-free place that is that exists to help them. Uh, and also that there is no shame in what they are experiencing or how they get their needs met. Um, we just want people to be, at the end of the day, be safe and be well uh, and be happy. Um, and whatever role that TSW can play in that, we are happy to. Excellent. And so Kinemat's going through a lot of changes right now with, um, you know, the largest investment project in, in ca Canadian history and just like a bunch of other other things. Like a lot of people are changing jobs, a lot of, um, you know, like the rent hikes, et cetera, et cetera. What are you finding? Um, is, what services are you finding are being accessed the most? In short, all of them. Um, definitely a constraint in housing. As I mentioned before, we are seeing uh, women and their families access the transition house for longer periods of time than we have historically seen um, in the um, nearly 30 years of operation. Um, I'll say too, um, as you mentioned, there's industrial investment at play that cer certainly changes the socioeconomic landscape, especially of a community as small as Kitimat. Um, I feel like the phrase the new normal has been uh, sort of commercialized or adapted, uh, adopted during the pandemic, but I have been saying that TSW has been working with a new normal for the past 10 years with respect to the last industrial boom that we experienced with Rio Tinto's modernization project that started to, I really feel like that was the first sort of um, precipice of um, those uh, rent rents increasing, cost of living increasing, that really, um, was sustained between KMP ending and the positive FID of LNG Canada being announced. Uh, so we have been working with an increased demand for service for quite some time, over 10 years now. Um, and I think, uh, you know, what I would really want people to know about that, especially the people who are less affected, like myself. Uh, I really consider myself to be privileged in the respect that 
I have the ability to protect the quality of life that I enjoy now from external factors like increased cost of living or inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for those people who are less privileged like myself, who are suffering uh, or who were only just keeping their head above water uh, pre-LNG Canada or pre-KMP, um, these industrial projects, if, if you don't have uh, robust social services in place and social investment in these communities beforehand, before projects come to town, then what happens is uh, those who are just at that sort of teetering line, their issues become exacerbated. And I think that uh, there may have been a fallacy across the board um, where people thought, oh, if I get this great, this good paying job, uh, then, then all my issues will be, won't exist. Uh, but what we are seeing is that, especially when it comes to these really intense um, industrial projects and camp work, uh, they can be quite grueling and they're not for everybody. And you already have to have a certain level of skill or life skills in general to be able to uh, be successful working on these projects. And um, we see uh, people who, uh, even if they've been able to obtain employment, it isn't long lasting. Um, if, the, if the root causes of their issues, especially when it comes to mental health and addiction, aren't addressed first before they gain that employment. Right, right. definitely. Mm -hmm. So now you guys are a registered charity, so mm -hmm. you guys do rely on the community a lot for, for your funding. How can people help? How, what, what can people donate? Like if they can't donate money, how mm -hmm. else can they support? Sure, yeah. So uh, yeah, money's always great. Nobody, nobody's gonna say nope. no to money. <laughs> uh, so money's always best for sure. Uh, but if that isn't possible for somebody who wants to help, uh, certainly they can donate their time. Uh, we have been really apprehensive to have volunteers in our space during the pandemic. Uh, but now that that hopefully seems to be waning, uh, I think we are coming back to a place where we can welcome others into our spaces. Uh, so volunteering either on site or maybe they want to join our board or be a member of the society uh, and help um, influence decision making and direction and vision of the agency. Uh, they can also donate uh, household goods, clothing, things that they have that maybe they no longer need. Uh, knowing that everything that we get, we give out for free. Um, or they can donate um, food if they're gardeners in those harvest seasons, if they have an abundance of uh, you know, vegetables, herbs, those sorts of things. We certainly welcome people to uh, share their bounty uh, and know that, again, that will be redistributed into the community for free. Um, so anything uh, that anybody... Um, has in their household that could have a second life with somebody else um, can always be passed on through our programs. Excellent. So now if um, people want to get a hold of you guys to, you know, make these donations or if they need to access your services, how can they do that? Yeah. So um, if somebody is looking to help, uh, they can certainly contact us by phone. Um, do you want me to rattle it off? Sure, yeah, definitely. It. Okay, so our main office is 
They can connect with us by email, info at tamatic.ca. That's Kitimat backwards. <laughs> uh, or they can message us on Facebook. Uh, we have uh, Tamatic Status a Women page. Uh, and most of our programs also have their own page. Uh, and hopefully by the end of the year, all of our programs will have their own page. Um, if they are somebody in need of services, they can uh, do all those things. Uh, in addition, they can also call our 24-hour crisis line, 250-632-6070, uh, and somebody will uh, direct them to, if they just need to, to, to talk to somebody and get some emotional support, we can do that right then and there. Uh, or if they're looking for a specific service, we can direct them to the, to the appropriate person. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. And thank you so much for everything that you guys do for the community. Yeah, thank you, Devin. And thank you for helping increase our platform to get our message out. Uh, Always a pleasure to come and talk with you. Excellent. We'll talk again soon. Yay.